What's up, everybody? This is Doc Joe Brown, real name, no gimmicks. And this is Pro Wrestling Talk for the Pistons fan. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Pro Pistons. That's P-R-O-P-I-S-T-O-N-S. Yeah, man. So welcome, man. Tell everybody what you do, man. You just go by Steve. But on, on Twitter, you're on Twitter. You're hold on. Don't tell me. Don't Bur- try it. Everybody messes it up, man. <laughs> hey, Burkay Worldwide. Oh, you're close. You're so Bur-K close. Burkay Worldwide. Hey, no, hey, no, no. hey. I'm putting no, that no, down. No, you got to roll your R in. Burkay. Burkay Worldwide. I'm from Albuquerque. Worldwide. So. Well, I knew it wasn't barbecue. You know, like if you're drinking, you're like, is that barbecue? What is that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, man, tell everybody what you do, man, as far as in the Pistons community. So I'm a writer, contributor over at DetroitBadBoys.com. I mainly focus on the draft. I've been doing it um, for a while. Happy to be a long-time listener. Happy to be first-time guest. What? No way, man. I, it always cracks me up when we have long-time listeners because I really just thought of this one day, like, just walking my dog. So, man, I appreciate it. It's just, like, I, I have – people are like, what's your end goal? I have no end goal. I just – I have no start goal. I have no end goal other than to keep talking about the wrestling – pro wrestling in the Pistons at the same time. So Detroit Bad Boys, for people who may not know, it's part of SB Nation. Yes. It's like a bigger network. But um, do you all have a podcast? Podcast. I was on the last episode with Laz Jackson, Lazarus Jackson, who's another one of our editors there, and Ben Golkur, weekly, bi-weekly uh, on there. So always check that out. And then Motor City Hoops, a.k.a. Bryce Sam Simon, he's also part of our team. He does a weekly podcast called The Pistons Pulse that he does with uh, the Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Shout out, Free Press. Um, yeah. They call the Pistons Pulse. <laughs> well, you know what? Those guys, check them out. They're way too serious for me. They, that, like, <laughs> you know, all, all the critical stuff that you need to know about the ins and outs of the game. You're right. Uh, Pistons Pulse, I read the Free Press, um, and they, they promote it on there and everything. So that's pretty cool. Sorry, let me take a sip of my 19 crimes. But uh, – you're a Christian too, right? Yes, I am. Yes, yes, yes. That that's always dope, man. I appreciate it. Cheers to you, brother. Um, same man. Same back to you. How, how long you been a fan? So let me ask you this: It's Detroit versus everybody, man. I, I honestly like. <laughs> I, I was a fan of like the fights in the '80s because I I was born in 1984, so I grew up. I remember seeing like Lambeer and Barkley go at it all the time, and I like Rodman. I always liked the way Rodman played his style. Like he didn't have to score a bunch of points, but he always made this huge impact. Was such huge. an important player. Yeah. So yeah. I was plus or minus him, but... was out in his day. Sorry to cut you off, but if plus and minus no, 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 was out okay. during his day, oh my gosh, he would probably lead the league in that category. You know. Yeah. I mean, too. Like you can have your top fives, whatever. But Rodman's one of those top five, like non-quantifiable guys, like a Draymond Green, right? Like you just have oh. to watch him to realize, like, oh. Ben Wallace is another guy like that. Like, you can look at the stats and it's like, whatever, but you have to watch the game to realize, like, oh, they're forcing their will onto the other team to where they have to change everything they're doing. So, yeah, and then I kind of fell away. I, I fell more in love with Grandma Ma and those Hornets teams. Uh, Muggsy Bogues is my guy. Like, I love Muggsy Bogues growing up. Like, such an inspiration uh, and stuff for anybody wanting to play basketball, right? Because 5'3", it's, it's just it's hard not to feel inspired by it. How long did he you played see, and how good he was too, man. Floor general for sure. Did you uh, see? But the I back in love. Oh yeah, yeah. For that sure. was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't yeah. know Muggsy was from like mugging people, like you know what I mean on the court, not <laughs> not literally. Like I never, yeah, yeah. 
I thought, I'm like, that has to be, when, once I found that out, I'm like, that has to be top five nicknames of all time now. Like, I never knew. Usually people of our age, they will say that they like that Hornets team. Like, in the, yeah. I, I don't know why, but my brother, he's, he was born in 77, you know, diehard Pistons fans and everything like that. But he's like, that's actually one of my favorite teams, Zoe and Muggsy and Grandmama. Like, that was a yeah. really fun team to watch. Yeah, they had Dale Curry and Johnny Dawkins and, oh, man, Kendall Gill. Kendall Gill was mm -hmm. the other guy on it. One of the biggest what-ifs for me in NBA history is if Zoe and Grandma Ma could have gotten along, because that's what broke them up pretty much. Yeah. Because they just, they, they both wanted to be the guy. But, man, they complemented each other so well. Zoe was such an you know, awesome defender and plucked on the paint. Grandma Ma was way out of his time, you know. He was like that six seven, could move like a small forward, but had the power and the strength of, power forward like definitely. yeah he's in my he's definitely in my like my personal starting five grandma Mom. yeah you know what it was funny because it was a power forward driven league then and i don't think a lot of the younger generation will know just how much of the offense floated through like sean kemp grandma Ma, even jermaine o'neill caught the tail into that you know where people yeah. were investing in the big guy that could pull it out cross you over a little bit chris weber um, I mean, yeah. KG's caught up in that. Carl Malone's like that 94 to 2000. This was a powerful relief. This was, and I guess you see it now with like positionless basketball, but it was just really exciting to see at that time. I mean, you know, the, the classic bull teams, Horace Grant, you know, like, like the power yeah, yeah. position was so pivotal. I mean, oh, look at me. The wine is getting to me. Pivotal. <laughs> I it mean, was, Horace Grant's super underrated. He's one of the more underrated players ever. Yeah. He won four titles. He won his his fourth title with Shaq and Kobe in his 14th year, and he started like pretty much every game. So, what are you doing out in Arizona? Uh, I'm an instructor here. I'm a lecturer at the University of Arizona. So, obviously, I'm going to talk up like Benedict Matherin <laughs> a lot in the in the draft process. But I kind of abstained myself or removed myself from writing about him and stuff because uh, I'm obviously a homer. I'm not going to go to bat for my guys. I mean, Dalen Terry and Christian Coloco are other guys I really feel strongly about. Coloco is probably the one that I like. I still keep it real. Like, I don't see him becoming like even DeAndre Jordan, maybe like a Mitchell Robinson type, but I still think like he moves incredibly well for a big guy. Dalen Terry is an awesome like Tayshawn type connector. Okay. Um, and he can actually run like point guard and the shooting came around. So are you working on your doctorate? I think you shared that before. Uh, yeah, I'm working on my PhD, hopefully completed this summer. So what was the time? I, I can join you as a doctor. Oh, yeah. What what are what um, field are you in? Just English or? I, I'm in English literature, but I mainly write about like the Indian in American like mass media, mainly in film and in TV. OK. And one last question. So this, I just because I'm always curious. We have another listener, uh, David to St. Louis is D. Lamar. You may want to follow him. He's working on his Ph.D. too. I think it's like in math, though. It's like crazy. Oh, wow. Uh, how many how many pages are you in? And is the committee giving you a hard time? Uh, who knows? And of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm All right. We're sitting with Steve from DetroitBadBoys.com. Straight by. He's coming by way of Arizona. We're about just over an hour past the draft lottery occurring. The Pistons picked number five. Right. And so just give us your instant reaction, man. How do you feel? Detroit versus everybody, man. Like, I know Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops at six. Shout out Tony Bochamp on uh, 
or Beauchamp on Twitter. He said five. He said, my gut feels like five, and he predicted it. Like, there's no way the league would let us pick number one back-to-back. So I, I kind of felt like it was coming. And also, like, mathematically odds. I think Philadelphia is the only one that consistently kept getting in the top three. I may be wrong on that, but I mean other teams like Sacramento and Phoenix that have consistently been up high in the lottery odds have not gotten consistent top three picks. So I, I, I figured that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So who do you like at number five? Or let me say, who do you like at number five? Or are you just like traded and packaged it up to get Aiden or Brunson, you know, a sign and trade? Who do you like at number five? I'm a draft guy, so I'm hardly ever going to say trade it. Okay. And I think those like traded ones are better for contending teams to where you can get somebody to come make a difference. Like obviously this team is still figuring itself out, still figuring out the pecking order and stuff. I like Johnny Davis a lot, but I'm alone on that island. I'm on Johnny Davis. <laughs> like, there, is, there are so many people that, that don't like him, but I'll, I'm going to put forth a piece in the next couple of days that details why I think he should be in consideration for uh, five. I have him number three on my board for a bunch of different reasons. He's a really good lockdown defender. Um, awesome shot creator, which is what the team needs. And he, again, he can guard the ones. And if you don't believe me, go look up film against Jaden Ivey. He, okay. he shut him down. He also held Malachi Branham to zero points what? in the first matchup against Ohio State. So he has a track record of like holding these guards down, man, and frustrating them. And he does it on both ends. He put up 24 while holding Malachi Branham to zero points. And I believe he held Ivey in that first matchup to 15 and he put up 37 on him on the other end. So dang, man. I, think, I, yeah, yeah, I can't I argue stop. with you now. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> what do the Pistons need most? Honestly, I think it is that other guard that can guard point guards. That's why they started Corey Joseph a lot of the years, because he okay. could be that guy. So Kate's not having to chase around Damian Lillard. I like Jaden Ivey works in theory. Like, I don't know if you've heard the most recent game theory podcast with Sam Bassini, but uh, actually it's not the most recent one. It's maybe like a week ago. But James Edward III from The Athletic, who's the beat writer um, for the Pistons, was on there. And that was his his thing was like, I, I agree, Ivy's athletic. And in theory, he looks like he should. But just in application, he's not that great of a defender yet. In the back half of the season, he shot 29.8% from three. So that's obviously a bad pairing with Cade. So not so much. My other guy for five would be Shaden Sharp. Not much is known about him. He's a high school guy. He reclassified. I was going to say, you, you got a face but, out of me like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but athletic. I mean, if they need an athletic guy that is can be committed to the defensive end while also having shot creation potential, Shane Sharp's supposed to be 6'6", 200, 210, somewhere in there. And he's 18, 19 years old. I, I'm a big field guy, Steve. Like, I watch a lot of fights and people oh, who's going to win the fight? And I'm always like, let me see the weigh-in. And I know that's weird, but I'm like, let me, let me see the way I want to see who's in shape, you know, how they look on the scale and things like that. Mm-hmm. And also when you consider this, you know, you're drafting kids for the most part. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I felt like in, in being a being a Big Ten guy, I went to Michigan State, you know, go green. I felt like uh-huh. when I watch, watched Jay Nivey, he felt like he was ready. Now, I know you just gave me the stats and, you know, so forth and, and everything, but you got to come to the fact, too, he's a young man. And if somebody tells you you're going top 10, why am I even going hard? 
after February. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, hey, Jaden, you're top 10 for sure. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be out here, but I'm not really out here. So you, I got to take well, that into consideration, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you went with the fighting analogy, though, because that matchup I alluded to earlier where Wisconsin first played um, Purdue, that's January 3rd, 2022. Okay. Ivy was held to 14 points, two turnovers, three assists. One of four from two-point range, two of five from three, and then six of eight from the free throw line. So he at least got there. But he did also play with three fouls. Johnny Davis, on the other hand, had, again, 37 points, three assists, 14 rebounds, three turnovers, two steals, two blocks. Was 11 of 19 from two-point range, two of five from 40, or two of five from three-point range, and then nine of 12 from the free throw line. Yeah. Ivy started out guarding him, but then – Davis within the first 10 minutes made him foul him like ridiculous. He put him on his hip. He made Ivy contact him. They immediately take Jaden Ivy off of okay. um, Johnny Davis. And then he wasn't guarding him the rest of that half. They come out in the second half within the first like two minutes. Again, Johnny Davis puts him in jail, gets him to foul him immediately, hey. takes him off of, <laughs> of Johnny Davis. So uh, there are these indicators to me of like, how do you feel about Adrian Griffin? So I'm looking at SB Nation right now. They just published Adrian Griffin. They that's yeah. who they have going to Detroit. His dad's in the draft. Adrian Griffin Jr. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I like him, except the medical scares me. If he didn't have any medical history, then that would be a no-brainer. He's number five for me. 6'6, 222. He, he shot 44.7% from three on 4.1 attempts per game. That is historically one of the best shooting seasons by any freshman ever, regardless of position. So that's awesome. And he's always been a, a good shooter. He shot 54.7% from two-point range. So, and 79.2% from um, free throw lines. So he's obviously incredibly efficient. The thing is, defensively, he lets guys get by him. So the question is like, is this just who he is now? Which yeah. can still be a good player, but again, the, the difference between that level athlete and the one that was advertised in high school is big, and it does have to make you question. He had all these he had these knee injuries in um, high school. Then he dealt with like an ankle or something this year. Yeah, I can't help but think of Michael Porter Jr. These are obviously oh, different situations. My gosh. Yeah, these are obviously <laughs> different situations. But anytime a knee or back continues to be an issue, to me that it's just hard to ignore that right because those are the type of injuries that are going to come back to bite you but i say all that to say i still have aj griffin at six because it's hard to really like pump somebody else up over him even though i'm a big benedict matherin guy and like i'm here in the university of arizona he's obviously going to be somebody i support like aj griffin's body and his ability to be a shot creator has been shown more in his past than somebody like a benedict matherin that, that that separates them still, even with the health concerns that if AJ Griffin hits his ceiling, it's definitely better than somebody like Benedict Mather. And I think again, like I said, with Shaden Sharp, he should be somebody they consider at five and kick the tires on, but man, everything has to depend on that medical. So, so the athletic, so we're, we're all, when you got 23 wins, it, it's like the sky's the limits, right? So we got SB, yeah. SB Nation has Adrian Griffin, CBS Sports has Jay Nivey, and the athletic has Shaden Sharp. 
Yeah, I mean, if you, because again, Shaden Sharp's the nice balance between the two. He, the shot looks good. He looks athletic. He doesn't have an injury history. So he's that, even though he's unknown, he is at least background has the things that Ivy and Griffin make you worry about. Yeah. And then that being that unknown also like throws out that he didn't, you know, shoot badly in the second half of the season, like an Ivy, or he doesn't look like a different athlete like AJ Griffin. So Again, it's unknown and it's unfair, but I'm sure some teams are just going to be like, hey, let's just gamble on this guy. What's up, y'all? This is RJ here, and you can find me on Twitter at RJ underscore Hunt 36, and you're listening to Pro Wrestling Talk for the Pistons fans. You dig? So I wanted to ask you about this WWE NIL next in line, man. So now, and this is where our show gets more unique than, you know, where I think, you know. So now, WWE since we're talking about drafting and prospects, they're actually essentially a competitor to the NBA, the NFL, and all these other pro pro leagues because they're essentially drafting players that are in college to be their next wrestlers. How do you feel about that just overall? I think it's good. I think it gives uh, athletes another avenue to make money too. I mean, too long, the NCAA has just been able to put the money elsewhere and the coaches or boosters or Whoever else, so more power to the athletes if they can get money from elsewhere, too. And, I mean, shout out Gable Stevenson. He's the guy that kind of started this. I know they've been after him for yeah. a while, as they should. Um, they they got a lot of money tied in. And, Brock. Yeah, and I mean, they, the, the thing that makes me laugh about it is, of course, Vince has to take the NIL and turn it into his own thing. It's like, Vince, you know that's already name, image, and likeness. And he's like, no, 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 pal, it's next in line. Excellent line. That's so WWE, man. That's so, so WWE. You know, you know, the thing I don't like about it is, and and, no, I love it for the athletes. Trust me. There's nothing, there's nothing bad about this to be like, Hey, I play O-line for Arizona. I know I'm not going to get drafted, but Hey, you know what? This is, I'm going to try out for this. One thing I don't really particularly care is like, I'm a true wrestling fan. And it kind of like, like, let's say if Gable Stevenson wants to have a character like the fiend you're gonna be like why well, no yeah. it's not you know you're gonna be like <laughs> or the undertaker you're like it's not mysterious anymore because i know that's him who was in college that's my only thing also what i don't like about it which is so wwe is they have right on the website all athlete partnerships will feature access to our state-of-the-art wwe performance center in orlando which is like okay cool uh organization including brand building uh, media training communications you're like okay they're preparing these guys upon completion of the next in line program select athletes may earn may may earn an exclusive opportunity to be offered a wwe contract and i'm like if you're using these guys like you know like so now they got john cron on here glenn hogan plays for lsu i don't know any of these people uh <laughs> isaac odexpin i don't want to disrespect him in any way you're using their name, image, and likeness to promote this program, but you're not guaranteeing <laughs> you're not guaranteeing them anything other than, hey, you may get a WWE contract depending on how it goes. That's my only beef with. I think if you're gonna draft them, draft them. Be like, hey, these people got a six figure contract. They're with WWE for at least five years, but the WWE always wants to hold the upper hand in firing somebody, and that just. That just kind of digs at me a little bit. 
That's like tale as old as time with wrestling, right? We just give you an opportunity, pal. Like whether it was Vern Gagne or yeah. Jim Crockett or I mean, Vince is probably the most infamous one for it just because he's the biggest guy of like, I remember Sean, or, um, uh, excuse me, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash when they started doing shoot interviews, that's what they talked about was like, what I'm guaranteed is basically like nine dates a, a, a month or something like that yeah. for like 700 bucks or whatever, which is ridiculous. And then everything else after that is just icing on the cake, basically, and WWE can just wipe their hands at any moment. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you with that. Also, but, the other funny thing is, if you go through here and look, you know, and I know it's entertainment, Hollywood. You notice this looks like a little Sasha Banks right here. And then you go down, and these look like Charlotte Flair's right here. Like, Vince has a look. Like, he's like... <laughs> person looks just almost like sasha bake's little sister then he's like well let me grab three charlotte flares just in case <laughs> <laughs> i need to have them on the shelf right one and, of them breaks. and this guy kind of looks like otis he's like like uh yeah. here's U- umas it's, it's like they do have a look like you know <laughs> and this guy looks like uh he looks like one of the, um, you know, from the Rocks family, which is kind of funny, too. So, yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of the name. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Like, man, you're, we're just restocking. Just Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. But again, if you're going to be a competitor with these other pro leagues, I mean, guarantee them something. Uh, John Cena gave an interview sometime this year with um, Chris Van Bleet. I don't know if you follow that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, YouTube oh, yeah. channel. Where he talked about like I was the last pick. Like they told me I was gonna get fired, you know, Batista, Dave Batista, Randy Orton, Shelton Benjamin, Sylvester Turkai, and I forget who else he named. He was like, they all had plans for them. And then they're like, Well, we're gonna fire you, but um, do you want to try out this like white rapper gimmick? And he was like, Yep, you bet. Yeah. So it, it just seems like they succeed in despite themselves anymore to where the Cena guy is gonna be the one that ends up being there, even though they don't they don't really want him, because that's I mean, it's kind of been, and sadly, the way it's gone the last, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the program. I like that they're getting involved in the name and image and likeness. But again, uh, you know, it's just WWE. And then it's Steve. It's like, what can you tell them? They're built. Every time they close a deal, it's a billion dollars. You know, they got the Iraqi deal. It's a billion dollars. Uh, they sold SmackDown to Fox. It's a billion dollars. Like every move that they make is, oh, we we sold the network to Peacock a billion dollars. Like what can you talk? About? <laughs> like like they don't even play with millions anymore. Every everything starts off at a billion. So it's like I guess they yeah. know what they're doing, you know. But hey, where can everyone find you again, man? Okay, I'm at Borke Worldwide on Twitter and on Instagram. You'll find me there. Definitely always promoting DetroitBadBoys.com. Uh, occasional tweeter, but definitely not somebody that that uh, my trigger fingers turned to Twitter fingers like ah, ah, back in the day. You know, that's not me. <laughs> I'm more yeah. like the, the Kendrick Lamar line, and I'm going to shine like I'm supposed to. Anti-social extrovert. That's me. okay. Detroit,